You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Mike Chappell, just too busy for us. He is uh, working on content for Fox59.com, CBS4Indy.com. Encourage you to head on there, head online and check out Mike's work. He's been uh, hard at it every day of camp. A couple of stories on days off. Uh, Joe, he takes no days off. He takes no days off. Man, his, uh, his stories must be pretty darn good missing the podcast. So go check them out. Uh, I edit most of them, and I can attest they are fabulous. All right. We'll uh, talk 38 days until the Colts season opener, nine days until their preseason opener. Uh, we have the uh, latest buzz from training camp. We finally have some meat and potatoes to talk about here after, uh, after actually last week we had two days of helmets only. Now we have a bunch of full pad practices couple shells as well i mean we've seen actual football out there uh, over the past couple days um to to offer some analysis offer some uh some observations and all that uh we'll uh, today discuss players on the roster bubble those are really the uh the players that uh, are under the microscope this time of year there, there's a lot of guys that you know are going to be on this team you know what their roles are going to be but there are some that are hoping to make a role for themselves or to earn a role for themselves. Um, and, and the way I have it right now, Joe, like I kind of keep my, uh, my Colts depth chart here uh, from year to year. Uh, I have a, there's about 40 to 43 right around there. I think guys that are kind of locked into the roster. So and that's being conservative. It could be a little bit higher than that. Um, but there are some that I, I don't want to uh, say for sure when uh, that were quite this early. Uh, just want to leave a little bit of room for. Uh, for what's it called, just for, for the unknown, I guess, with some of them. But um, but but there, and that's probably how it is on most teams around the league. You have a good 40 to 45 uh, guys that you know are going to be on your 53, and those bottom 8 to 10 spots are up for grabs right now. Especially teams that are trying to contend. You know, maybe a few rebuilding teams, there's a lot more up in the air. The Colts think they're really close to something special. They should have been a playoff team last year. They have higher aspirations this year. And so they got a lot of guys that they already like. But there are some guys who... We think can um, surprise some people and make a difference. Yeah, definitely. We'll talk uh, notable veterans who might get cut, three long shots uh, that, that might make the team as well, kind of give our, our thoughts on those two areas. Uh, but first, we'll start with the news around the league. And it certainly was an eventful week, as it's going to be every week from now on. Not that it hasn't been throughout the offseason, but hey, uh, with, uh, with, with, with today being, being Thursday in the preseason, just, just, just beginning with the Hall of Fame game, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be nonstop. And we kind of got a taste of that uh, with continuing the Deshaun Watson saga. He has been suspended six games by Judge Sue Robinson. Uh, it was Robinson's first case being a jointly appointed uh, by the league and NFL Players Association as the disciplinary officer. Um, she had some definitely some scathing words for Deshaun Watson in this um, in this in her decision. Uh, she described his behavior as, quote, more egregious than any before reviewed by the NFL. And then she also uh, said that um, it's it still like it was uh, because it was a, quote, nonviolent, unquote, act um, that there was a certain kind of limit that she saw within the NFL's rules and the NFL PA's rules that that she could not go past the six game suspension because that matches others uh, in the past that have even been uh, uh, violent uh, occurrences. You think back to the Ray Rice scenario years ago. Um, that were that were much much different much uh, I'll just put it that way it's much different but um, but the NFL is appealing the decision Joe so um, it, it's it's something that's not not going to end still anytime soon if if this appeal the NFL I think wants a full season long ban that's what it sounds like uh, yeah and so so here we are with uh, the a neutral arbit arbiter who has who has um, been appointed by both sides 
gives a ruling. The NFL has the rights to to appeal it, and so they're going to. And Roger Goodell has the choice who's going to hear the appeal. So it's basically the NFL saying, "No, we're going to appeal this decision. I get to appoint uh, who who the." Uh, who the the judge is going to be this time. And if it comes back, which it very well might be a year, which, because that's what we think the NFL wants, this is going to go even further to federal court or something like that. And it's going to be a whole lot more than just a neutral arbiter in front of you. It's going to be a, like a federal judge that, that's sitting on this case. So there, there, there's a chance, and and I think that at the, at the way it looks right now, a good one, that this will not be resolved by the first game of the season. I, I really think that this is going to, a straggle into at least the start of the year just because things like this don't wrap up all that quickly. Yeah, and this kind of being the first case by Sue Robinson and with the jointly appointed um, disciplinary officer, it's really setting precedent for how disciplinary, you know, hearings and actions and punishments are going to go going forward. It's going to be interesting to see. I don't know what happens if the NFL comes back and says a year and then Watson and the NFLPA sue does Watson get to play while that's going on? Until does he have to do the six games until there's a decision? I have no idea what happens. Yeah, it's it. That's a good question, and and I wouldn't be surprised if he would sit out the first six games. I also wouldn't be surprised if he plays, but that would be a situation that to me would be a lot like last year, and Houston decided to sit him for the entire year while things were working out. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns decide to sit him out while this is going on because I. I if it lasts that far into the season, like a month and a half, you know, six games, I, I think that they'll be able to expedite things a little bit quicker than that. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely off, but just based on what I've seen in the past. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. Hopefully, I just want this to be done and over with That'd at be this great. point. That would be great. Um, so we can stop talking about it, especially since it's, I mean, it matters to the Colts because the Cleveland Browns are certainly a playoff contender that the Colts might be fighting for very for a much on the Colts spot. same level they are there yeah. when you look at a national perspective the Browns and the Colts are are like this they are together they are below the teams that everyone thinks are definite playoff teams you know you've got uh you've got your Chargers you've got your Bengals you've got Buffalo, uh, your Buffalo Bills Chiefs. you've got your Chiefs you've got your um Patriots who were there last year like the Colts are below all those teams that were playoff teams, and maybe they're even below a team like the Broncos that got a Russell Wilson. Ravens. That people think are oh, definitely below the Ravens, below the below the Raiders. Um, they're they're on the group that is trying to work its way up, uh, seeing into into the playoff picture. And of course, it, for the Colts, it starts with winning their division because that 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 I think would be the easiest way to do so. But oh, yeah. but yeah, nevertheless, this is like this is a team that is on the Colts level. So at any. Any advantage you have, if you're a Colts fan over a team that is kind of you view on as, as kind of your level, would, would would be a good thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I kind of agree. I'm on the NFL side. I think a year sounds about right for Deshaun. I didn't think the six weeks was nearly enough for what the judge said was the most egregious, more egregious than any other reviewed by the NFL. Um, so uh, we'll just have to see what happens. I mean, it's it's kind of uncharted territory at this point yeah it, it goes into exactly what what the rules are for the nflpa and the nfl and, and the the player conduct policy and how they're written because um it, i mean obviously there's already been like, there, there's no criminal charges that have been brought against deshaun watson but uh so so you can't make any kind of uh ruling based on that i don't want to get too much into the weeds on this all it is to say that it is, it is still going on right now so anyway uh, the NFL has also stripped the Miami Dolphins of their 2023 first-round pick and a 2024 third-round pick for, quote, violating the integrity of the game. And this has to do with uh, owner Stephen Ross 
getting uh, impermissible communication or the franchise having impermissible communications with Tom Brady uh, over a course of a couple years and also with um, with Sean Payton uh, for uh, for their potential head coaching position. Um, and this, this has nothing to do with the, the accusations that Brian Flores had against them that they were trying to tank. Um, there was nothing ever found out definite uh, about about those allegations. So this is strictly having to do with impermissible communications with players on other teams. Um, and this, this is a hefty, hefty shot, uh, Joe, to the Dolphins because they were set up next year with two first-round picks. And so that gives them ammo to move up in the draft if they wanted to move on from Tua Tungavailoa and try to get one of the top guys, maybe a, a Bryce... Um, maybe a C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or whoever it might be if they eyed somebody else. Um, now, like just with one first-round pick, that makes it a whole lot tougher for them um, to, to do what they wanted to do, and they were set up to do nicely next year in the draft. And if they didn't, hey, you get, you think two is good, you have two first-round picks that you could have added to them. This kind of sets them back a little bit in their plans. Yeah, anytime you take a first-round pick away from a team, that's a big deal. I mean, we see the kind of players, first-round picks, draw what did uh was it a first round pick and a second round pick for Devonte adams is what the raiders did so you I think so you, the first round pick can get you in a little more as well and they lost a little more they lost the first and the third that that something like that can get you a star wide receiver a game changer in this league and that's something they just lost so that this is another thing that kind of indirectly impacts the Colts because this is another AFC team with a lot of talent that's hoping to establish themselves as playoff worthy. Wasn't it the first and the third is what it turned out to be what the Colts gave up for Carson Wentz? It was. So there yeah, we go. You, you, you could get Carson Wentz. Uh, uh, for, someone you uh, for think this. could be a franchise quarterback. Uh, hey, if you ask me, if, not if you ask anybody else in this town, but if you ask me, I, I had to throw that out there, obviously, <laughs> no, no doubt. Um, let's see here. Uh, Roger Goodell says in this insta instance, investigators found tampering violations of unprecedented score and severity so that that that's n not good uh for for the dolphins so they're uh, also their owner is a uh, suspended for the first six games he can't go to any games he's also fined 1.5 million dollars same amount of games as deshaun watson yeah yeah okay how about that all right roster moves for the colts they have re-signed undrafted defensive tackle Kavion Patton. he's already been cut and uh cut and re-signed joe i was talking to chap about this actually just out of camp today like there's those guys that seems like they're cut and re-signed six times over the course of training camp those guys at the very bottom of the 90-man roster we don't love you but we like you exactly you kind of like don't move out of town but we don't have room for you right now on the roster yeah. so uh, so just chill out there for a minute uh, maybe you're gonna have to check back in here to the team hotel in, in a couple days, you know. Get him an Airbnb I, or something. Seriously, yeah, make sure he doesn't go too far. Um, the Colts have also signed center Alex Millett, a uh, free agent out of Marshall in uh, 2020, uh, rookie then, so two years ago. Uh, they've also signed a wide receiver with a J as an initial, but it is not OBJ. It is DJ Montgomery, uh, a uh, drafted and undrafted rather in 2019. He played three games for the Jets last season. He caught three balls. So if you're looking for a veteran wide receiver, Joe, I guess he's technically an NFL veteran, but only three catches in his veteran career. Yeah, no offense to Montgomery but or Millette, but these kind of seem like guys where they just need bodies. And they move guard Carter O'Donnell and wide receiver John Hurt to injured reserve. O'Donnell was probably in the mix maybe to, to be like a second-team guy. Uh, could have been in the mix for a... Uh, for a backup role, reserve role on the offensive line. Um, but uh, but if he's going to be on IR, probably not. A released a veteran defensive end, Brian Cox Jr. as well. So all, all, all those moves are going to be – you're going to see these every week with, with injuries, with, um, with specifically with injuries, with guys going on IR, getting released and getting signed here and there. 
So, uh, so just be prepared for that over the coming weeks uh, as we continue on through training camp as the regular season gets close. Uh, the Colts have named a new team physician, Dr. Peter Myers of Fort Sports Medicine. Um, uh, there are all, a previous doctors stepped down last week after 23, uh, 23 years with the team. Dr. Myers, 15 year knee and hip specialist. He's served the Colts for 12 years. Uh, last year you would have wanted a foot specialist, but apparently they go with knee and hip, uh, there with, uh, Dr. Myers. So good, good luck to him in his, uh, career with the Colts in the future. Uh, training camp practice for Sunday, August 7th, already sold out. It was the only remaining weekend practice. So no surprise to see that happen. Joe, uh, being out there, there's been a tremendous, uh, groundswell uh, of fans like every day out there today, maybe a little bit less because the weather wasn't quite as nice. It was actually turned out really good. Like th- there was clouds over the entire time. It was much better than yesterday, which was like 90 felt like 95, hundred degrees and the sun was baking down on you. But, um, but yeah, so there, it, there have been a lot of fans. What I'm trying to say every day out there in Westfield, it looks, it, it almost looks like preseason game type turnout out there for some teams. Exactly. I see videos of other teams like Washington and stuff, and they got maybe like three dozen people out there. The Colts, it's like a whole event. There's a lot of hype around this team. I mean, they for let's not forget for a significant portion down the middle stretch of the season, they were the team no one wanted to play. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it fell off at the end of last year. They replaced the quarterback and there's so much hype around this team right now. Hopefully, they'll be able to stay level-headed and live up to those expectations. As I mentioned earlier, preseason kicks off tonight with a Hall of Fame game. It is Jacksonville and Las Vegas. If if you'd said that 20 years ago, Jacksonville and Las Vegas. That would be... Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Well, I guess... Hang on, Jacksonville's been a franchise now since, what, 95? So I... like I mean, 30 I, years ago. Yes, exactly. There we go, 30 years ago, 25, 30 years ago. Jacksonville and Las Vegas. There we go, in the Hall of Fame game. Um, and uh, the Colts' first preseason game set for Saturday, August 13th at Buffalo. So so it's here. It's Over here. under one starter plays tonight. Shoot, man. Like I was listening <laughs> to somebody on the radio. Yeah, exactly. To, earlier today, I was like... This is an extra game anyway for these guys. Like, I don't. I don't. I would take the under maybe. And yeah. like seriously, the, the only way starters. that you have kickers. quote unquote yeah quote unquote starters playing is if you have uh, kickers, punters, long snappers. They'll be in there. Um, like if you have rookies maybe that are in line to start. Like with the Colts, for example, you probably want Alec Pierce to get a little bit of preseason work. I think, and you definitely want guys like Alec Ogletree and Jelani Woods to get some preseason work. But those guys are going to see some play this year. They may even get a couple starts depending on whatever formation the Colts decide to trot out there. So. That, that, that's just me kind of being and, – and Nick Cross, again, another one that you're definitely going to want to see some work out of Nick Cross in the preseason. He could win a starting job by the end. So, like, none of your established starters. That number yeah. is absolute zero. Well, and especially in a game where this is – most teams have three preseason games. Now, this is these teams' fourth, right. if I understand that correctly. I so. so um, it, no sense in risking anybody getting hurt. And I feel no. like that's been more of a trend over the past 10 years – just really guys, the past three years it's gone like to nothing yeah guys just getting nothing in the preseason we don't need it where i mean Peyton manning used to do three series you yeah. know something like that nowadays i don't think he'd even touch the football no At i don't, least I don't not during so. not while the clock is ticking no way a- a- absolute no way so there, there we go a preseason kicking off uh, tonight and the colts will be on the field shortly still gonna watch it though no doubt <laughs> What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means that together we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at HancockRegional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. 
Wow. Nailed the first ad read. That's how we do. That's, That's how we right. do. Making money. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. That's right. I'm not making money, but at least it exactly. means somebody's making we money. We get to keep our jobs. Yeah, exactly. That, We're that's making tremendous. somebody money. Yeah, exactly. So somebody's <laughs> smiling at us. Um, so training camp buzz from the past week or so. Um, let's see. What, what has stood out to, to me this week? Today, first of all, uh, as we've taped this podcast on Thursday, it was, a, it was a very physical day. It was a long day. So it was like an hour and 55 minutes is what it was scheduled for. And there were a lot of practices earlier, Joe, that were, were shorter, like an hour and 15, an hour 20, that were even cut short because they made their way really quickly through, um, through, through the 7-on-7, seven seven, through the 11-on-11 11 11 drills. And that's something that, uh, talking to Frank Reich, that's something that Matt Ryan has really kind of been uh, uh, foremost important in doing, is working his way quickly through plays, getting on to the next one, uh, being efficient at one, getting on to the other kind of uh, type of tempo. That, that he wants to run during training camp that Ryan is comfortable with. So, so we've seen a lot of that over the first couple of days, but today was much longer. It was much more, they were certainly intense because it was a full padded practice today. Um, they did also a lot of situational stuff with some two minute drill at the end. They did red zone a, a whole lot today. Um, so today, today was a day to, to get more physical and that's what it has to be now because the first week you're, you're kind of working your way up. You're taking small steps to get to quote unquote football, but, but football is actually here right now. And we can actually learn a little bit specifically about offensive and defensive line, kind of the trenches, which are for the Colts probably supposed to be some of their, uh, some of their best, uh, best groups. For yeah. I'm, I'm not out there. Um, but from every, you know, I'm reading every single tweet that I can from everything I've read, it's been really physical. This past week in training camp, I think pads went on for the first time, or full pads at least on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's already some punches thrown. Michael mm-hmm. Pittman Jr. getting into that. I'm not sure. Did you have your eyes on that? I didn't see it myself. I had literally just walked down to the other side of the field. But uh, it was Pittman and Rodney McLeod, the uh, safety out of uh, who was in Philly last year, um, just got into it. And, and we've seen this from Pitt in the past, too. Uh, he was... Uh, he was kicked out of a game last year. The I Patriots forget which game. game. Okay, it was the Patriots game. Fortunately, didn't need him for the rest of that game. But um, and we, I think we might have even seen it like kind of a scuffle in, in training camp last year with him too. I can't remember for sure, but it seems to ring a bell. Um, like he's he's edgy. He really is, and and you love that to a point. And that's what kind of what Frank Reich said the other day after it happened. Um, like they love who Pittman is as a receiver. Uh, they love his attitude. They love uh, his his competitive fire. But there there is a line that you don't want to cross. And I think throwing haymakers at your teammate is 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 that line. You know, like you can get physical with someone. You can probably even have strong disagreements after that play. But but there is something to to the actual act of kind actual of going going hog wild a little bit. A little push and party. exactly like that's. That's something that is, is probably over the line for them, and uh, I'll bet he got a little bit of a talking to out there. Yeah, and there's always one, right? There's always at least one dust up in training. I camp. mean, shoot, shoot, the Lions are coming later. There's there's going to be something with them for sure because they're supposed to be biting everybody's kneecaps off. There, it's it's there's going to be something that goes down. <laughs> That's right. Um, so uh, hopefully, at least Colts in terms of teammate on teammate fights, this was kind of the one where it happens and everybody reminds themselves that we can't be doing that type of thing. But in terms of, you know, being an edgy player, I, I really like that out of your six foot four, 220 pound wide receiver who is not afraid to be physical. I mean, there's some guys who just because they have the sides doesn't mean they completely use it to their advantage. Um, I heard Pittman is really starting to connect with 
Matt Ryan recently making some tough grabs over the middle, where at the beginning in camp we kind of heard more about Paris Campbell and Matt Ryan and their connection. Um, so, uh, you know, it doesn't sound like anybody got too hurt out of that. So hopefully they can kind of make amends and mm-hmm. move forward. What yeah. else has stood out to you? Yeah, with uh, with the pads coming on this week, that's that goes straight to, to Pittman's strength, you know, being more yes. of a physical receiver. So I think that's why this week he's really taking a step up. And before Campbell, his, his strength is, is shiftiness. And so that's why he, he was... That's a good uh, point. Yeah, he he had kind of the leg up in 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 things looking with Matt Ryan last week. Um, other things that stood out, like let's stay on the offense for a second with the receivers because that has been a point of contention for for throughout the year. Let's talk about because I'm starting to drink the Kool Aid. Of course, like I I really like what Alec Pierce has done out there, and and I I don't want to uh, I'm not I, I don't want to start waving the flag so crazily in here. And completely go against basically everything I've said throughout the offseason. If you listen to our podcast, you can download, by the way, subscribe, guest delivered to your podcast listening device throughout the week. Follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone as well. Uh, I've said throughout the offseason that Alec Pierce needs a defined role, needs a small role in order to be at his best this year. They can't give him too much and expect him to uh, to deliver in every facet that a veteran wide receiver will be able to deliver. That being said, he has looked really good in training camp. I think he has good hands. He has good quickness. He's done pretty well on the line of scrimmage, getting away from press coverage. And he can, in the basketball term, is he can jump out of the gym. He can. Like, he, his, his leaping ability is, is quite, quite good. 40-inch vert at the combine. It, 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 if you're there and you see it, it's, it's different than other players out there. And that's, that's kind of what something that stands out is it, among these guys who are the elite of the elite at what they do, like what stands out, what looks different, and and Alec Pierce's jumping ability is different. So he can go up and get a ball and high point it as well or better than anybody, and that's something that we've we've said was a good, obviously a good uh, strength of Pittman being a good fifty fifty ball guy going up and getting it over the years. I think Pierce can at least go up. Uh, whether he can come down with it, that that remains to be seen consistently. Obviously, exactly, but. But boy, he he has the physical tools to be really good. So maybe I'm a little bit more bullish on on Alec Pierce this year than I was at the start of training camp because I think he's turned a couple heads out there. And that's what you have to see, right? Yeah. I'm, a rookie can show you everything in college and all the athletic testing, but re- what really matters is when they get out there. You got to hope he builds on this going into the preseason mm-hmm. because you remember it was Mike Strong last year who was tearing it up during yep. training camp, and then we didn't see a whole lot out of him. I do think. Clearly, Michael Pierce is further, or Alec, Alec Pierce. Pierce I one, always yeah. want to call him Michael Pierce. I don't know why. <laughs> Alec Pierce is further along than a guy who went to Charleston, sat out the year before mm-hmm. because of COVID. Um, a couple of things I've seen from him. I mean, that highlight the Colts posted about him shaking Isaiah Rogers at the mm-hmm. line of scrimmage, streaking down the field. And Isaiah Rogers has 4-2 speed. He ran mm-hmm. a 4-2 at his pro day. And Pierce just kept going and maintained yep. the separation. He's yep. got that kind of different level speed as well, which is so impressive for the guy, a guy who's also six foot three, mm-hmm. um, completes a play, scores a touchdown for, I don't know, 40 yards. It was hard to tell from the angle. Mm-hmm. But that, and then Mike Chappell wrote an article yesterday about how the Colts have Stephon Gilmore basically shadowing Pierce, lining up on him quite a bit just to get get him ready for what he's going to see in the NFL. Really a technically sound cornerback, a guy who's been named the best 
defensive player in the NFL who won that award, and I think that's only going to pay off for Pierce um, to get him ready in year one by playing against that quality of a cornerback. Gilmore looks perfectly fine, by the way. Training camp buzz around Gilmore, I mean, he may be 31 years old, but he hasn't looked like he's lost a step. Like He's not the quickest guy out there or the fastest or the shiftiest, but he's always he always seems to be in the right place. You never see him chasing the ball um, or chasing a receiver. Uh, he, he's, he anticipates throws well, so he's typically right in, in the catch zone, whether he breaks up the play or not, uh, makes an immediate tackle, whatever it might be. So I, I think he's, he's looked very solid. And being on a one-year contract, if, if he delivers as he has in training camp, obviously, uh, then somebody might give him a two- or three-year deal down the road. I think, got, I think we got him for two. Two? Okay. Here's me shutting up. <laughs> I think um, it was two for I was thinking. I, yeah, I was thinking of Unique. Sorry. Yes. I was thinking of Ngakwe, yes. who only got the, the one year. But yeah, it was Gilmore for two years. So that, that's awesome. That if, if he can deliver like he has now over the course of two years, I think you'd be very happy. I've seen a lot of good things out of him in training camp. Speaking of being in the right place, I remember there was a quote from Chap's article about Pierce talking about Gilmore already knowing the routes he's going to run just based on alignment. He mm-hmm. says, by the way, you line up. I knew what you are going to do. And they talk about it after the play. Um, that that obviously that's great for both players, right? It's great because Gilmore looks like what we thought he was when mm-hmm. they signed him, and it's great for Pierce to learn the kind of things to maybe be able to fool uh, cornerbacks on other teams. I think the best player on defense certainly today, and maybe over the course of all training camp, has been DeForest Buckner. He's been a monster out there, especially today, and that that's maybe in part because earlier he wasn't doing as much eleven on eleven out there individual drills. They were kind of bringing him along slowly. But he was, fu- he was full go today and was in the backfield all the time, all the stinking time. So uh, he looked great. And uh, talking to Gus Bradley today, he kind of echoed that, saying it's good for him and for the guys behind him who are going to have to learn how to play behind him in this system and uh, everyone alongside him as well. So, so seeing Buckner out there, he, he has not, uh, not lost a single step. I think he could still be, be a force under, under Bradley as well as he was before under Matt Eberflus. Is he lining up across from Pinter quite a bit? He's it's, usually it's, the left of the two yeah. defensive tackles, right? Yes, so it has been mostly under, o- over Pinter. And my, my story today is actually on Danny Pinter that I'm putting together online um, and, and on air for Fox 59. So, um, so yeah, Pinter's getting a, a heck of a test out there. Uh, going up against uh, Buckner every play. Obviously, he's he's faced him before, just being a reserve on the line. Every once in a while, you come in, and when he's filled in for Ryan Kelly at center, he's had to face him then. But but yeah, it's, that's another example of a, a guy kind of like Alec Pierce and Stephon Gilmore, a uh, guy like Bernard Ryman going up against Unique Ngakwe from time to time. Like these these guys who are um, maybe asking to do to do the next step, like a Danny Pinter is to to be a starting role. Um, he, he has has a heck of a guy across him to to test his metal every day. Yeah, I mean, there's no one better to practice against because most teams are going up against are not going to have a DeForest Buckner. Mm-hmm. So that next guy might actually feel like a relief compared to who you're practicing against. Yep. Uh, Julian Blackman has looked perfectly recovered, by the way. like he, He's been on a couple of good deflections. He's stuck his nose into places like he's made some hits. They go, ooh, you know, yeah. and like or he's kind of gotten into awkward falls. They look a little awkward because people aren't trying to hit sometimes, but you do. So you just fall weirdly, but he gets up. Does the incomplete motion just runs back to the defense? So, so no, nothing bad at all with Julian Blackman with his uh, Achilles tear from last year. I'm excited about the safety tandem. I know Blackman. It was another one of the highlights that the Colts posted, but he get, comes streaking towards the sideline and breaks up a pass. I think intended for Naheem Hines, and it ends up being like this huge collision with someone yep. who's kind of coming up the field. And it's every year when I first start watching football again. 
those collisions just make me wince. I, I'm not used to it like I am in February when I'm like, get up, you're fine. Yeah. You know? So it, it, it's it's always a sigh of relief to see somebody, especially coming back from injury, just pop right back up like he does. Let's get to some more training camp observations. We haven't seen any of uh, Shaquille Leonard out there yet. Well, we have seen him. He's just not dressed for anything. He's in, in his uh, in his uh, relaxing gear on the, on the sidelines, or really – uh, not really as much on the sidelines. Sometimes he's out on the field running back and forth and then chanting it up, as you would expect uh, the maniac to do. Um, let's see, some other stuff. Let, let's talk tight ends. Uh, today, Drew Ogletree was getting some run with the ones. And uh, talking to Marcus Brady after practice, he said that's a little bit of uh, a rotational thing, that he's getting up there over Jelani Woods and Mo Alley-Cox. Um, but but I, th- I think Ogletree has earned that, earned that right, too. Like he, He's playing with the ones, because he's had a pretty good camp. And as the guy who's the sixth-round pick tight end, certainly the Colts drafted Jelani like Woods. Yorkstown State. Yeah, out of uh, Youngstown State. Youngstown State. And, like, they drafted Jelani Woods in the third round because they believe he can be a difference maker. But uh, Drew Ogletree, uh, as well, like looks pretty good. He made a spectacular one-handed catch in the end zone today. I hope the Colts got that. Somebody, one of their many photographers out there, because it was obviously in the time that we're not allowed to shoot video anymore in seven-on-seven drills. So I, I anticipate somebody got that. Um, so that might be finding its way to Twitter later today, but it was a it was a heck of a grab by him from Matt Ryan in playing with the first team in seven on seven. Uh, he made another one that was over by the sideline that he stretched for the end zone. He might have made it. I don't know. Uh, it was it was a really close play at least, but uh, but I think Ogletree has looked good. Mo Ali Cox, I think they say he's injured a little bit, so they're holding him back uh, a bit in that uh, in the first team and in eleven on eleven. Minor, probably. Yeah, I think he also he had a collision with Gilmore uh, a couple days ago too, so maybe it was something with that. Was it Gilmore? I think it was Gilmore. I think it was. I think I yeah. saw some tweets yeah. about that. So, but but Gilmore was back today and looked fine. So maybe just Mo got got the worst of that for for whatever reason. Um, so, excuse me. So I think Drew Ogletree's looked good. Um, let's see, uh, left tackle uh, Matt Pryor's out there going up against Unique Ngakwe, which is no easy task. Uh, play after play, but but it's been all prior. We have seen zero, zero of Bernard Rabin with the first team, Joe. So it's it's Matt Pryor's job right now. There's no indication that that Ryman is is working his way into that at all. I think he really does still have a, a ways to go. But we haven't seen Ryman anywhere else though either. They haven't moved him inside, you know, to right guard um, or or left guard or or whatever. So they're really sticking him out there. I think they're really trying to get him to learn left tackle if they believe he has a shot at being a left tackle in the future. But but right now, there's no sign of him trying to move inside and being part of the quote-unquote top five and supplanting Danny Pinter. And there's really no shot for Ryman to be to be the starting left tackle at this point of training camp. Yeah, it would have been very surprising from a guy. Totally. Smaller school, Central Michigan, just, you know, I think this is just his third year playing the position of left of uh, tackle. So it's this was kind of expected. They kind of took him for his upside. There's not a lot of guys at his size who have his movement ability. And being so young in the game, they thought, you know, there might be a much higher, higher ceiling to reach. Let's remember, this was just a third-round pick. If this mm-hmm. was someone they thought could be a legit starting left tackle right off the bat, he probably would have went first round. And if not, the Colts would have taken him in the second round. So after that, uh, running game is really hard to tell during training camp because you don't really – there, you don't run to tackle, so um, there, there's no there's no end of the play like that, and that's that's everything in the run game. It's breaking tackles, it's it's shedding blocks, and it's all that. So I heard Hines is being very involved in the passing game. Very involved for sure. Like he's working with the wide receivers. It seems like just as often he's working with the running backs. So 
Um, they're they're going to get him out there, and he's going to catch balls for sure. So that that's the one observation I can give you for the running backs. It's hard to give you anything for Jonathan Taylor. He looks fine. <laughs> yeah, he looks fine. You tell me he hasn't fallen off since last. No, year? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I don't think there's been any significant fall off. So that's really the whole offense. Like Matt Ryan has has been has been good so far. Um, has been like I said earlier, kind of making sure the tempo is is up to pace. Is uh, is throwing the ball efficiently. At the start of camp, there were a lot more checkdowns. Now there have been a, a couple more down the field, I think, to, or to, to wide receivers that they've tried to get to. Um, Foles is good as a backup. Uh, there's, there's nothing significant that I can say either way about uh, – I don't think about quarterback right now. What, what you have is you have, you have a guy in Matt Ryan who has taken charge for sure of the offense, and he's running it the way he wants to. So there, there seems to be no, no real hiccups on his end that, he, that he's taken over and he's, he's full speed ahead ready to go. Yeah, and – Speaking of Foles, I saw that pass he hit to Ashton Doolin, who, yeah. by all accounts, has a very good camp. My your guy. Boy, your boy. Yeah. Ashton Doolin. And, um, you know, I didn't get to listen to the whole interview, but Chris Ballard was on the Pat McAfee show today, kind of talking up Ogletree and Doolin and um, saying those guys are performing really well. Because um, Pat was asking him about those wide receivers, and McAfee's not been shy about you know, advocating for guys like Julio Jones to bring in, Odell Beckham, who there's rumors flying right now, but really nothing substantial to report on that, Um, just kind of internet rumors at the moment. But if guys like Pierce and Doolin can step up, and Paris, I know it's a huge if, can stay healthy. Obviously, we all think Pittman Jr. is a good wide receiver who has the chance to be a very, very good wide receiver. Um, I think this receiving core, especially if they mix in Hines in a more effective way than they did last year, mm-hmm. has a chance to be, you know, everyone thinks it's probably back of the pack compared to the rest of the NFL. I think productivity-wise, maybe it could be more towards the middle, a solid group that um, they can really rely upon down the year. Yep, I think we've, we've talked about just about every group uh, a little bit here and there. I haven't talked too much about the secondary yet. Um, but yeah, I, I talk about Gilmore plenty. I think Faison is on the outside. He's been with the ones uh, virtually the whole time. Okay. I haven't seen a lot of. I haven't seen a ton of Rogers in in eleven on eleven uh, with the ones. So th- so that seems to be how it is right now. And he knows Bradley's scheme. He's familiar exactly. with it. So, so that's not surprising. Yeah, either. he has a definite leg up. I, I think that like for Rogers to really take over more of a role, he's going to have to do it in the regular season. He's probably going to have to get out there and make a few highlight worthy plays. And, and earn more playing time that way. Or face on just going to have to get beat a couple times, which you certainly don't want that to happen. You say, well, we'll try this guy again. So um, so I, I think that's going to be the path to seeing more Isaiah Rogers is just doing dynamic things in his limited time on the field, which he has the ability to do. We've seen that in the past. Or for Faison to just get out there and kind of fold under pressure, which I don't know. Not, I haven't seen anything specific to, to make me think that he would do that anyway. So, so we'll just see what happens out there. Yeah, and I mean, I think, the point is the Colts are in a good spot because they have four cornerbacks that you feel pretty good about. Yeah, I, I agree. Like to, there, there are not a lot of teams in the NFL that feel as good about their cornerbacks as the Colts do. There are some for sure here or there, but they're, they're in the top half of the league for sure. When, when you have a little bit of depth there that you feel, feel okay about, you're like, well, okay, we can trot that guy out. We'll see how he does. Um, and, and of course, if, if anything, Knock on wood, were to happen to Kenny, uh, Isaiah would kind of slide in there to the slot and, and be that guy. Kenny or, or any of them, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and let's not forget, he's going to impact the game as a kick returner <clears throat> as well. Yep, for sure. And, and we'll, he looks good on kick return, man. Like he, like that's a flash. He's gone. I, I love watching him on kick return. So. Changing games. Yep. What would you call a great health system? Just a few minutes down the road from Indianapolis. 
where you can see some of the area's top doctors and healthcare teams in great facilities, including one of the safest hospitals in America, and maybe even save a buck or two on your healthcare. We call it Hancock Health. So if you're looking for smart, safer, affordable care, head east to Hancock Health, where we're making health possible for the people of East Central Indiana and beyond. All right, uh, the Colts have 90 players on their roster right now. That will be cut down to 53 just a couple weeks before the regular season. There are a couple preseason games and plenty of training camp before uh, those final cuts are made. But nevertheless, we have uh, just a couple of practices to evaluate what we have seen and uh, give some, uh, some opinions on, on who could make the roster, who could get cut from the roster, surprisingly. Um, so, so that's what we're going to do right now. Just do a little bit of a kind of a bottom of the roster, bottom of the 53 discussion here. Um, we'll, we'll start with, with, uh, players that might be a little bit more on the bubble, some veterans who, who have to be fighting for their jobs right now. Three players. I think that, um, each of us will give three players that could be, uh, on, uh, on, on the outs at the end of training camp. And, and to get to three, I think, is tough, Joe, with this it team is. as veterans, to, to be fair. Like, I have three guys who are NFL veterans here, like, who are not rookies or, uh, or second-year guys. Um, that, yeah, you don't want to be like, yeah, the undrafted free agent. Right, exactly. That's not a veteran. It. No. Like, we're talking about, like, if you're saying Bobby Okereke might, might not make the team. Like, that, that, that's kind of like what we're talking about here, like guys, guys in that vein, which Bobby is not on my list of guys who will not make the team. No, he will be the I, I don't even have that, anyone that strong. No, <laughs> like no one even close to that, to that strong. So, so I do have three guys, though, that, that are quote-unquote NFL veterans uh, that, uh, that will be, at, at the end of the day, kind of on, uh, on the chopping block, perhaps, when uh, when all is said and done, so we start with uh, the one I think we both have. Yeah, uh, Ben Banigou. Yeah, he's the obvious choice right now because he was on last year too. Uh, he had a pretty good preseason. He made the roster and then he proceeded not to play at all. So th- there was clearly something last year that like he he could not crack into the starting lineup, whether it was um, or even the back or even the back of the lineup. He he just never saw saw the field. I don't know uh, if if Matt Eberflus just thought he didn't fit in the system with his skill set, or if uh, he just there's something the switch flipped during the regular season where he just uh, kind of fell behind. But but Banigou's certainly on there. The the thing that's in his favor, Joe, is this is the last year of his rookie contract, so the money he has going to him is already guaranteed. So if you cut him, you're not saving anything that way. So Chris Boward can't cut him and then use money that might be going toward him towards someone else. You're gonna have to pay him anyway, regardless. Um, and so, so, so Bangu is certainly one that he has some things going for him, and he has some things. He's he's really been running with the twos the entire training camp. He's the backup Leo right now behind Yannick Ngakwe. So we're seeing a lot of him uh, against Bernard Ryman um, out there in in one on ones or in eleven on eleven drills. So. Um, so that, that's, uh, yeah, I, I agree. That's, that's number one. The, the first guy we think as a, as a yeah. four year veteran, Ben Banigou could be fighting for his job at the end of this training camp. And I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of arguing in the other direction here. Another thing he has going for him is brand new coaching staff, fresh start. I think that Leo position kind of fits who he is as a smaller, speedier pass rusher. But we saw it last year where there was training camp buzz. They said he looked good. He made some plays during the preseason and then just nothing during the regular season. I, I've heard it again this year. Banigou makes a good play. Tweet comes down. But until he actually does it during the regular season, I think he's kind of the top significant veteran 
or noteworthy veteran that's on the chopping block. I agree. And what you just said there kind of reminded me of another observation. So I'll drop this in here real quick from training camp is that unique and Gakway is not a big dude. Like, he, he doesn't really look like a defensive end, especially when you're standing up against like a Taekwon Lewis or a Dio Dangbo, guys that are big defensive ends that also play inside or that, can play That inside. doesn't help him either. No, it doesn't, for <laughs> sure. Like, he, he looks a whole lot more like Robert Mathis than he does those other guys, who is the undersized speed guy, and you put him on that Lucas Oil Stadium turf, and he was an absolute game wrecker. So that, that's certainly what the Colts hope that Ngakwe can be. And, and, and that's, like, when you're an NFL team, you, you have to build your roster. Like, you can't build your roster the same in Indianapolis as you do in Miami or as you do in Green Bay um, or as you do in Pittsburgh or as you do in Los Angeles. You, you can't do it because you have different, different field turf or grass. You're inside or outside. It's cold weather or warm weather. Good football is played differently in all those areas. And this is something that I think is vastly underreported on or, or underexplained, I think, in just in in the general sense in the media out there whatever you would have it so like to be successful in Indianapolis those Colts teams of the Peyton Manning era were uh were dynamic and high flying on offense and multiple um and very much rhythm timing based which is really good in indoor like domed and you can control conditions. the variables. Exactly. Yeah. You can't do that in Green Bay. You just can't. And that's you can't why the Colts struggled in the playoffs where they'd be playing in snow in New England. In New England. Exactly. Year after year. Raining in San Diego. You hit it right on the head completely. Um and that's why Freeney and Mathis were so good because they were undersized defensive end that you could get upfield faster than a left tackle or a right tackle could backpedal every time because, once again, set conditions with that field turf, boom. They're past them already. They're going after the quarterback. And if your offense has already established a lead with Peyton Manning, then they're going to be throwing more often than they want to. So you know that you can just attack the quarterback over and over again. So you're saying Yannick's going to be the new Mathis. Exactly. Yannick Ngakwe is going to be the new Robert Mathis. I uh, love D- it. Dave Griffith said it first right here on the Colts Blue Zone <laughs> podcast. Um, uh, let's get to our second uh, player, uh, veteran, who is in trouble. And I'll go first. I'm going to go with Rodrigo Blankenship. Hot Rod. This is his going to be his third year in the league. And, and Chap talks about this all the time when he's in here with us, saying that uh, Rodrigo set all these rookie records. But you cannot ignore his numbers when the field goals get long at 46 plus. He does not have good numbers. I believe it was three for eight. Um, and I don't know if it was just last year or if that's a two year. Uh, that might have been a two, two year. year. So, but still, like to only have eight field goal attempts that of 46 yards or more, like. I know that Frank wants to be aggressive at that point in the field. Part of that's like, him. Yes, if, going if you for have fourth it. and three on the thirty-four yard line, Frank likes to go for it. So, so that'll bring down his attempts. But nevertheless, when you get your attempts, you got to hit better than you got to hit better than fifty percent for sure. And, and Rod hasn't done that. Um, at the end of today's practice, they kicked two fifty-yard field goals because they did two-minute drill at the end. So they did the two minute as far as the offense could get them. They got into the 32-yard line, which is a 50-yard field goal. Rod came out. He hit his, and it looked good. It, it was good. It, I mean, the, the kick looked good, um, and it, it had some length to it beyond the 50, which we've seen him go short on 50 or 51, 52-yard attempts. Like, I'm not talking about 58-yard attempts. I'm was talk- there defense on these kicks? Like we're it was trying not to the block full it? rush. Like it was, They okay. kind of snapped and stood up a little bit, so it was not the full rush. 
Because I hear he's making them in practice. That's what the reports are. But when it's in the game and someone's trying to block it, it seems to be a different story for him. Plenty of leg in practice. And uh, then Jake Verity uh, came on, did the same thing behind him. The ball came off his leg differently. You, you cannot deny it. It went for, like, Rod's was good, and it had room to spare from 50. Verity's had more room to spare. And it just shot up higher th- than Rod's did. It, it just did. So you look at who has the stronger leg, there's no doubt that Verity has the stronger leg among these two guys. And if you want to be able to kick those longer field goals, history says that Rodrigo has not been the guy to choose in that, in that instance. So like, but at the same time, like this goes to like, how reliable can you be short? And if Verity isn't, isn't good short either, then, then who cares at the end of the day, if he, if he has the, the boomer of a leg. So I guess what matters is if Verite is just as consistent from short as hot rod is, Verite is going to win the job. Yes. Cause he has a tiebreaker with the bigger leg. Yes. hundred percent. So, so hot rods definitely, uh, on, on the list of veterans who, who have to, uh, Watch out for their jobs come the end of the year to me. Who's, who's your number two guy? Uh, I refuse to put Hot Rod on there because... I, I, he, you would. <laughs> he was declared as my boy, so I'm not going to do that to him. Um, this will make more sense when I say who I think might make the team. Okay, please explain. But I have offensive tackle Dennis Kelly. Um, this is a team with several uh, backup offensive tackles who you think could be decent guys, including Spriggs. Ryman, and another guy I'm going to mention for has a long shot to make the team. And Kelly injured his knee. He, they said the reports are he's going to be out several weeks, which does not help when you're trying to make a new football team. Um, he's 32 years old. He's a veteran. I think we kind of know what he is at this point. If anything, he might be on the downswing of his career. Um, I, I don't expect him to be cut, but when I go through these guys, we said it was kind of hard to come up with these guys. Totally. Kelly was someone I identified as he might he might not make it. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree. Um, so far, like today, out of practice, Spriggs is a guy that they actually moved inside to guard. And okay. He was running with the, with the twos, but he has been a tackle in the past, so he could be a swing guy, you know, that could either do do tackle or guard. I think they're trying to see uh, how good he is on the inside Kinda right like now. Kind like Pryor did last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly like Pryor did last year. But, but yeah, I think Kelly's a good one uh, to, to, to throw in there. So I think I know who one of your uh, one of your three who might make the team might be. That <laughs> reading into things. All right, who, who's your third player then? And then I'll wrap up with my third, a veteran who might just have to be looking out for his job here as Cole's training camp wraps up in a couple weeks. My third guy here I have is Philip Lindsay. Um, he's someone who a lot of people, including myself, were excited about when they signed. He has a couple thousand yard rushing seasons in his past, but you know those are several years behind him now. Those are three, four years behind him. He was not efficient, very efficient rushing last year. I get it. It's with Houston, Miami, teams with bad offensive lines. So I'm not going to completely hold that against him. But I've seen a couple of reports that C.J. Verdell has looked pretty good out there. I know the Colts like Deion Jackson, and Deion Jackson the guy who gives them special teams value. So I think it's not a given that Philip Lindsay makes a team. He might be looking for a new one come September. Yeah, I think Lindsay was my third too. And so I don't want to get too, too much into it. You made, you made every point there. Um, I think, like I said earlier, with running backs, you really have to judge them in, in the preseason games because they're actually being tackled, taken to the ground, trying to fight through things. But sure. like I like Lindsay, like he's shifty. He, he is like he has a difference difference maker there, and like his shiftiness, he can change directions like that, and he's explosive and he's off, which which is his strength. 
and which is why he didn't do so good running dive uh, for <laughs> over and over and over again with with Houston or with Miami last year, two of the worst rushing teams in the NFL. So, uh, so yeah, I think I, I agree with you. Like I said, Lindsay's there. Another name that that is a quote unquote veteran is Kiki Kuti. Um, like it, it's really between mm, him and true. yeah, him and Des Patman probably for that last that fifth receiver spot. Uh, if the Colts carry five receivers, if they carry six, he might be safe there. Um, but uh, nevertheless, uh, Kiki Kuti, he's also been a backup kick returner though, so he has a little bit of uh, ability to be that guy there as well behind Isaiah Rogers if the Colts want to at- keep him uh, on the roster in that type of role too. And a little on in that vein, a little honorable mention who I didn't think was noteworthy enough to put on here was Mike Strong, just because he he's not a veteran to me. Yeah, he, he's not a veteran. He had a lot of hype last year. But he's hurt right now. If, I think he's going to be a practice. Quarterback. He's not making the fifty-three. There's no. there's a zero percent chance no. that he's making the fifty-three man roster. So so that's why yeah he he will be cut. Like and he's not a vet. He's not a veteran to me. So anyway, yeah. which hurts because I, I, I liked Mike. Smith. I know. Like I, I'm not trying. Guy. Yeah, I'm not trying to badmouth him. No, I'm, I don't I'm think. Just, you yeah, are, I'm telling. Right. I'm telling you how it is. All right, three roster long shots who will make the team. Guys who will surprise and beat somebody out and uh, and and make it to the fifty-three man. Um, from my perspective, my first one, of course, is, is Sterling Weatherford, uh, being my guy there at, uh, at linebacker. He's looked good out there. Um, there's actually another linebacker I have that I think has looked better that I'm, that I'm going to get to in a minute, but I obviously, you, you know me, I have to include the Hamilton Heights guy out here because <laughs> he's like, he's out there, he's doing his thing. He's out there on, on kick return as well, or on, on kick coverage. And, uh, he, he's a big guy who moves faster than other bigger guys who, who are his size. I think if you have that type of talent, you're going to find a space for him on special teams. As long as he's uh, he keeps up on the defensive end, I, I think Sterling Weatherford has, has an NFL special teams future with the Colts this year. And he's a guy I included as well. It was, uh, I, I hope I'm not ruining your other guy, but it was between him and JoJo Doman for you me. You son of... <laughs> and I knew I can cl- include them both because the Colts are already four linebackers deep with Shaq Leonard, Bobby Okereke, EJ Speed, and your boy Zaire Franklin. That's so right. I think they're only going to keep five. Okay. And it's going to be between those two. Um, the guy for me who, you know, instead of Kelly, if he can't camp, come back and if he can show something this camp, Jordan Murray, offensive tackle. He was a guy who played at North Texas. Last year, he played in Canada, six foot nine. 36-inch arms. He's kind of that ball of clay that you hope you can mold into something that can be really special. Um, I think there's a chance that he's someone who makes a team at tackle if he shows enough that he's not just developmental. He's someone who can come in and play if he had to, but who has a much higher ceiling than someone like Dennis Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so who's next on your list? Uh, three roster long shots who will make the team. My final one here, I have um, Marcel Dapo. The defensive back coming over from Germany. Um, I've heard a couple reports that he's made a play or two out there. Extremely athletic guy. And I think there's a spot for him as that fourth safety on the roster. I don't, you know, they got obviously Blackman, Nick Cross, and Rodney McLeod. But I think there's a chance that he beats out someone like Armani Watts for that fourth safety spot. And Someone with his athleticism can do some damage on special teams. Yeah, I think there is that open spot at safety for sure. Um, there, there's a because uh, because you have yeah you have McLeod, you have Cross, you have Blackman that are all roster locks. Right now, you've got a guy like Armani Watts who's uh, who's played back there before, I mean, and uh, and then your rookie Rodney Thomas, seventh round pick out of Yale, and um, and, and Debo. 
Or Dabo. I think wherever they want to put uh, King, the special teamer out of uh, right. New England that they signed, whether they mar- want to mark him as a linebacker or safety, is probably just going to come down to roster spots. But exactly. Who was yours? Did you want to talk about Doman for a little bit? I don't know. Yeah, that Doman is on, like, Weatherford and, and Doman are, are one and two for me. You said you thought he was maybe playing a little better he out is. there? He is. He's absolutely, especially, like, he can, he gets, he, he seems to be around the ball a lot, which... Um, which is one of the highest compliments you can give a linebacker. Like he, he always seems to be right there. Um, I think he would be a big tackles guy if he was a starter uh, in, in this type of a system. Um, so he, he's looked good. Uh, go Big Red, Nebraska product. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I've been really impressed with him. I, I think that, it, it, once again, it's hard, like running backs, it's hard to judge linebackers, especially in the run game, because you don't know if, if you're in the right place, Joe, like I said, he's in the right place. That's step one. Yeah. Step two is bringing the guy Might down. Get ran over. So yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe after two preseason games, we'll be like, "Geez, Jojo Doman, why was I ever so high on him in the first place?" Well, it's because he's always in the right spot uh, on a lot of these plays. Uh, so if he can just take that next step and 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 bring the guy down, then I think that there's a chance that he could find a role in special teams. And it makes sense, right? That he might be a little farther along coming from Nebraska than someone like Weatherford, who played at the Miami of yep. Ohio. Um, Doman's a guy who. You know, the reports out of college, he was good in coverage at the linebacker position. He ran in the 4-6, so he's got some speed as well. I like one of those two guys to make the team. They just have so many good linebackers that I think they're only going to have a spot for one. Yeah, uh, so so that that's not an unreasonable uh, conclusion to draw. Like, the Colts have only carried seven linebackers once with under under uh, Chris Ballard, so, and with... Only three guys starting there. There's just un- just limited spots. My my final guy, and this is this is definitely a, a bottom of the roster type guy. I think a receiver that that has been really good in training camp has been Ethan Fernea, a wide receiver out of UCLA, a rookie, undrafted guy. He's more of a slot receiver, so he's gotten the chance because DeMichael Harris has been hurt uh, as well as a name just from the past. Number twelve on the sidelines at Colts camp, a uh, all too familiar <laughs> refrain from the past. But uh, number seven in Fernea. The rookie out of UCLA is, I, I think he's been really good. Like, you're not asking him to attack down the field. You're asking him to do some really short routes, some good quick um, change of pace routes, some good, um, what's it called, timing routes with, with the quarterback. And he's been on the same page as uh, Nick Foles or Sam Ellinger. So they found him a little bit here and there. Do I think he's going to make the team if you put it, uh, if you make me pick 53 of these? No, I don't. But uh, he's a guy that if he has a strong training camp, uh, I'm not putting it past him. And also, if he has a strong training camp, I wouldn't put it past him making it somewhere else because he's looked pretty good out there to me. Okay, I want to pull up the notes. I think he was someone that I wrote down when I kind of did the scouting for the training camp previews Uh as somebody who played a little bit of running back Ah, in college as ah. well. So maybe someone who can do a little something with the ball in his hands after he catches it over the middle. Yep, that's quite possible. So so like I said, I think he's looked pretty good. There's a couple guys in the back end wide receivers that that haven't been so bad. So I've I've been happy with... With with the depth, that's not saying I think I, I think that all, all the the problems quote unquote problems at wide receiver are solved. The the top group still has to prove themselves completely. Like I, you, you we can sit here, Joe, and say that and say that everything looks good, um, but at, at the same time, um, like this is this is just training camp. You're you're set up in positions a lot to to win and and to and to succeed. And yes, really, I don't think we've said a negative word really. Yeah, not, not too many. No, and, and, and nobody's really had a, had a bad training camp. Like you, you even look back at a guy like Kylan Grant's new people. Like there was a 
good. There was a groundswell that he did not have the best OTAs, didn't mm-hmm. have the best offseason. He's looked fairly good in training camp, too. The Colts are trying to get him the ball a lot. Like, they really want him to be a thing. I heard they it was kind of like a pitch, like out of the backfield they yep. got him, and yep. he scored a touchdown He did, on yes. So uh, Frank was laughing about that. He said, you're never going to hear the end, for, uh, end of it from Kylan, because he, he likes to talk a little bit. Kylan does. Like, he, he's a smiling guy who, uh, who who's yapping here and there. He's not, like, not the biggest... Who can I compare? He's not Eric Ebron, but by any sense. But in a, in a part, he reminds me uh, of that just a little bit with it, with it, with his attitude. He's not quite as full of himself as Eric Ebron was. We'll put it that way. Gotcha. Yeah, I know. Kind of heading into it, like before training camp started, I was like, I don't think it's a lock that he makes a team because of all the other tight ends they brought in. I don't really feel that way anymore. I've seen some good reports, yep. and I know they want a specific role for him, yep. so that makes a big deal. Yeah, the, the smaller you can make the role, and especially, and that's what they're going to have to do with this pass-catching group because because there's no, you have one dynamic player in Pittman who, who you think can do a lot of different things. After that, you want to be multiple, so you want to spread it around, so spread it around to guys who are doing what they're good at, yep. you know? And, like, n- not a lot of teams have the um like a lot of teams have that look at someone like the bills like you have stefan diggs who is one of the best receivers in the nfl but then after that you have gabriel davis who's a good wide receiver and has proven himself in a limited role in the nfl and and has done really a very fine job for himself in that role so uh, that was just the first example that came to mind. Yeah, and then so, you got I, Isaiah McKenzie, who's kind of that smaller, yep. giving the ball in space, more of a gadget guy. Yep. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I got yeah. you. Yeah, so so that, yeah, you don't you don't need two dynamic, amazing veteran wide exactly. And that's what we've been calling for all offseason because these other guys just haven't proven themselves on the Colts roster. Guys like a Gabriel Davis or an Isaiah, Mc, like they they have proven themselves in their roles that they can be effective in the league. So these young Colts receivers and pass catchers. Although they have potential, they have not proved themselves in their specific roles. So that's that's kind of that 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 is what is going to be to me just the key to this season is is can multiple, not even just one, can multiple guys live up to their potential as pass catchers and find and carve out their specific roles, be efficient in those roles, and give Matt uh, Matt Ryan more than just Michael Pittman to throw the ball to. When you got two minutes left and you're down and you have the ball and they double-team Michael Pittman yep. Jr., who else can you rely on? Exactly. And, and that's kind of something that we saw today, doing two-minute drill. The Colts got a little bit down the field in two-minute drill, but but they didn't get all the way down to score. A t- they only got to the 32-yard line. Uh, that's a long kick. Exactly, it is. And like I said, that's 50 yards. They both made them, but but you want to do better than that. Like You want to you get them at least inside the 20, for crying out loud, and, and then in the end zone, obviously, to win the game instead of maybe just tie the game with a three. God or forbid you're down seven. Right, yeah. Then, then, then forget it. You're going <laughs> for it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, uh, we appreciate you listening to this Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can listen uh, every week. As we uh, deliver you some new content next week, we'll be previewing a game, Joe. A game preview. Yes, sir. In Buffalo. As the Colts will be in Buffalo, yes. Nine days from today to take on the Bills. Uh, apt that we were just discussing the Bills, in fact, uh, for the preseason opener. Uh, you can read Mike Chappell's work online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at DaveG underscore sports. Joe is at Roto Street. Joe. Mike is at mchappell 51 we together are the at Colts Blue Zone for the podcast. We'll see you next week here.